This episode of Post Reports Podcast is brought to you by Facebook. At Facebook, we've taken critical steps to prepare for the U.S. elections. We've more than tripled our safety and security teams, implemented five-step ad verification, and launched a new voting information center. Learn more at facebook.com slash about slash elections. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Friday, September 25th. You know, I had watched a movie called The Florida Project in 2017, which is a fictional movie starring Willem Dafoe. Thanks for calling the Magic Castle, Amber. Mm. Yeah. Greg Jaffe is a national reporter for The Washington Post. And it captures life in these motels along the 192 corridor. Your kid killed my night. I wanted to watch the ball game. You're going to pay me for three hours that I got to work later? Hey, guys, pay the man for his three hours. I don't have any money. The Florida Project might be a fictional movie, but it's based on a very real situation along Highway 192 in central Florida, just outside of Orlando. That is where hundreds of people are stuck living on the edge of society in a stretch of rundown motels. I'd been in central Florida in 2019 during the Democratic debates and came across the place where they shot the movie in one of these actual hotels. They shot it in the Magic Castle. And so it was taken by the place. And so when the recession started, the pandemic recession, I knew that families were really just that economy outside Disney World was barely functioning when times were good. So as I thought, where am I going to start to see the pain of this pandemic? I thought, I'm probably going to see it in this place first. And that in turn led me to the Star Motel. So the Star Motel is a rundown motel in Kissimmee, Florida. It's only a few miles from Disney World and a few miles from where they're currently playing the NBA playoffs. The Star was built in the early 80s and was, uh, you know, back then a nice motel for tourists visiting uh, Disney World, which was a relatively new and growing attraction at the time. It began to shift in 2008 with that recession. You know, that recession hit Central Florida really hard and that it drove a lot of people from their homes and those people had no place to go and they moved into the, the motels up and down 192. So those began to fill up in 2008 with families and it's really a vicious cycle. You know, the motel owners were not getting tourists during that period and the people didn't have any place to go and so it became this sort of marriage made in something less than heaven. And the problem kind of never goes away. The number of families living in these hotels for most of the last decade goes up and down a little bit, but it never really disappears. So once you got to the Star Motel, what was it like there? What were your first impressions of the place? So there are two motels next to each other. One is the Star and the other is the Lake Cecile. The Lake Cecile didn't have power or water. And so there were long extension cords running from the star over to the Lake Cecile, which had power at the time. And, you know, it, I had done some reporting in Iraq and Afghanistan, and it really reminded me. It was the one place in America that reminded me of Baghdad wow. after the war there. There was trash everywhere, you know, roving dogs and just people, you know, really just miserable. 
But how could a how could people be living in a motel with no power or running water? Like that doesn't how is it even allowed? And and who owned the hotel? Yeah, so the hotel was it functioned for the most part until you know right before the pandemic, it was starting to come apart. The owner was struggling to keep the power and water on. And then once the pandemic hit, she just kind of abandoned it and walked away. And the county wasn't quite sure what to do. I think during the pandemic, they didn't want to set kind of all these people loose without a home. And so they just tried to make the best of a bad situation. But the county didn't ensure that there was at least water and power and making sure that people had some standard of living there? You know, they moved the people from the Lake Cecile, which didn't have power or water, across into the star. But then as soon as those people left, new people moved in because there are just so many people desperate for housing. So unless you board up those rooms, people will move back in. And the idea, I think, for a while was we'll leave the water and power on at the star and we'll figure something out. But it just went longer and longer. You know, people stopped paying rent either because they couldn't or because the place was so decrepit that they were trying to save up all the money they could to get out of there. There was no one really running it. And I think eventually the utility just lost patience. And around July 4th, for the first time, they shut off the power. Call and tell her to come and see because they're shutting the power right now. Right now. Tell her to come and see it. There's this amazing scene there where it goes off and they need to collect $1,500 by the end of the day to get it turned back on. All right, everybody outside front of me right now. Can all y'all put out 100 bucks if you can't, please don't talk to me right now. People are gathering in this overgrown courtyard. And so there's a, a, a gentleman there and he pulls out a giant wad of cash that's probably three inches thick, pulls off a 20, throws it on the sidewalk, and starts telling it, and people, hey, throw in what you got. Let's get $1,500. Let's get this power turned on. If our kids go without light, it's because of one of our mm-hmm. sorry asses. Because my son don't want to hear that. Well, how you let the lights go out? Huh? How am I going to tell Junior I let the lights go out, man? And was that what it took, that it was just $1,500 and the power company would turn the power back on? For four days, five days, I think it was. Yeah. Mm. It had been turned off a couple of times before and they'd come up with the $1,500. The power company by this point was losing patience. So they said, you know, come up with $1,500 in cash. We'll turn it back on. And then next week you owe us 9000 So they knew at this point when they were gathering in the courtyard collecting the 1500 that that was only going to buy them four or five days. Five. 10, 15, 20, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Some people are throwing in 50s. There was a woman covered in bed bugs who threw in a dollar eighty-eight. But I remembered seeing this 17-year-old girl kind of hanging on the edge of the group. She was in her Taco Bell uniform. And so she walks back to her room and grabs $40 and throws it on the pile. And you're like, oh my gosh, I want to know who this person is. I know my grandma's on her oxygen machine and her breathing machine. So I didn't want anything to happen to her. And going to the hospital isn't a safe bet, especially in the moment of the epidemic. So we just had to get it back on or go somewhere else that does have electricity. So had to pitch in or do something to get the electricity turned back on. Rose Jacino lives there with her mom and stepdad and uh, 12-year-old brother and grandmother. At least once, every time the electricity went out, somebody went to the hospital from like dehydration or heat stroke or passing out. 
And how is it that she and her family ended up at this motel? So they're originally from Providence, Rhode Island, or just outside Providence, and they owned a house there. It was bought uh, as part of an eminent domain process to expand the Providence Airport. So they had a big chunk of money, and they decided to move to Florida and try their luck in Orlando. And so the mom and dad found jobs in the tourism industry, and they struggled off and on to keep them. The mom struggles with some mental illness. The grandmother, who also moved with them, worked as a motel manager, and that kept them fairly stable until she had a heart attack and was forced to go on disability. And once that starts to happen, you know, they spent most of the last decade just motel hopping up and down 192. I feel like each year is getting worse. First, we were in, like, normal hotels, just normal ones, nothing special, nothing extravagant. Then the hotels started getting worse and worse and worse. And now we're at the Star, and that place is like hell on earth. The last stop was the Star. They moved there about nine months ago. And what did Rose say about what life was like for her there and what her reaction was to ending up in a place that sounds so awful? Rose is pretty stoic. I mean, she hates it there, and she's honest about it, that. It's like a malnourished place. It could be good if people wanted it to be good, and if they tried. But they're letting it go just like they're letting themselves go. It's hard to never have stability. You know, never know when or where the next meal is coming from, when or where if the power is going to get shut off or turned on, like... Never know if the hotel itself is going to get shut down and when you're going to have to move, if you're going to have the money to move. The hard part for her was you could see stuff start to come apart for her in her junior year of high school. You know, she took real pride in being part of the JROTC program at her high school. She saw the military as a way out of the motels, but she got in a fight. She struggled with her grades. She got pushed out of that JROTC program. And so being there was a lot of pressure on her. Meanwhile, she was going to school, working the night shift at Taco Bell, and you could just start to see it eat away at her. There's been moments where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to drop out and work. We need the money. And then other times where it's like, I'm just going to quit my job, focus on school. I need to get my grades up. And then there's times where it's like, oh my God, I don't want to go to work. I'm so tired. Or I don't want to go to school. I'm so tired. But you have to. You can't just quit. You can't just stop. It's not like that. You won't make it nowhere with that attitude. So you got to get up. You got to keep going, no matter what it is. She felt like, look, this whole system is set up so that we can't succeed. The economy just keeps going up, 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 and minimum wage is still staying the same. So it's not, it's not equal. So how do they expect people to be able to pay their rent and pay their car, pay their mortgage? That's why more people are ending up in hotels. There's not enough resources out here to help us be able to help ourselves. And for her and for other people who are at the motel, how did the beginning of COVID begin to change their lives or, or I would imagine, make things even worse? Yeah, so the, th- that place, Kissimmee, just barely functions when there are lots of jobs. And so uh, the unemployment rate prior to COVID was around 3.5%. It shoots up in April and May to, you know, 30%. The unemployment insurance system in Florida is really broken, and people were having a hard time filing. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. 
Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. Unemployment insurance and getting unemployment insurance. That process was taking months. And so people were just trapped in this place where they can't pay their monthly room rate. And then the owner can't pay her bills for the motel and things just start to spiral. This episode of Post Reports Podcast is brought to you by Facebook. At Facebook, we've taken critical steps to prepare for the U.S. elections. We've more than tripled our safety and security teams, implemented five-step ad verification, and launched a new voting information center. Learn more at facebook.com slash about slash elections. We get judged a lot on where we stay. And at the end of the day, we don't have a choice on where we stay. This is where we can afford. This is where we can lay our head down at night. And it might not be safe, but it's somewhere to sleep, a roof, electricity, and water, the necessities, you know? And people drive past and be like, oh my God, this place, it stinks. It looks like garbage. I wonder what the people's like. Like, no, don't get me wrong. There are some really bad people, but they're not all like that. You know, there's a lot of families that are stuck in these situations, can't get out, trying for years. I mean, almost since she got to the star, Rose has been struggling to get out of that place. And so in April, she starts a a GoFundMe page. And it said, you know, moving from motel to motel, trying to find a more stable place for my family. She starts that, and it draws essentially no donations. It's the only thing she can think of to get her family out of this place. So the power goes off, they get it turned back on for four or five days, it goes off again, essentially for good at this point. And I guess what was most striking to me is on the day that it goes off for good, there's no one who shows up. I mean, everybody knew the power was going off that day. The county social services knew, the police and sheriff's department knew, the public utility certainly knew, and there was no one going into these rooms on a day where the temperatures were in the in the 90s and humid in Florida to look out for these people. And really the only one going back into that motel that day to check on people to get them out was this one woman, Barbie Austria. uh, If you, you know, I mean, like, if things really go wild here and you guys guys really need to get out, just let me know. Just give me a call. She really runs this homeless outreach. I mean, I call it a homeless outreach. It's her. It's her and her pickup truck and the money she raises from her local church. And so she goes back in there and knocks on doors to check on the people who she's worried are just not going to survive the heat. Good morning. Hi, Richard. One of the doors she knocks on is a guy named Richard Sheldon, who's an 82-year-old man who lives there with his, his partner, who's a bedridden woman named Allison Jones. And so... Barbie's first priority is to get them out and someplace safer. And she does this with about three or four families as well that day. So what is the answer here? 
is there an out for any of these people? For somebody like Rose, um, you know, she's 17. Her goal is to graduate from high school and to join the Air Force. And as she talks about the military, you know, she took a trip after the her summer of her junior year to a military base and was just stunned at how nice it was. You know, she'll talk about the food and how plentiful it was. And for her, the goal is to graduate high school, to get a high enough score on the entrance exam that she can get into the Air Force or to one of the military services. And that's really the only out for her. In terms of the larger, more systemic solution, the problem is, you know, it's it's stunning how large these resorts have grown. So the Orlando area, which includes Kissimmee and Disney World and Universal Studios and SeaWorld, it draws more tourists every year than Paris and London combined. Really? From all over the world, China, South America, just every corner of the world, there are tourists coming here. And it requires an army of low-wage workers to service them, just thousands and thousands of low-wage workers. And there's no housing for them. And then part of that's a weirdness of that Orlando market. Because it's an international tourism destination, there are people who are buying property there from all over the world for their vacation homes. I think the big companies like Disney and Universal Studios, if they're going to attract these thousands upon thousands of workers, you know, need to help to finance housing for the people they're bringing in, or they need to pay them a wage that enables them to afford a $1,300 a month apartment. You know, we've had this sense over the past few months that the pandemic has really laid bare this widening gap between people who are well off in the U.S. and people who aren't, you know, people who have been able to keep their jobs and save money and aren't worried financially during this pandemic or in some cases are doing even better. And the people who are doing so much worse and have no safety net. And I wonder you know, if things continue along this path, if we are expecting a future where there are more star motels in Florida, around the country, that this will become more of the reality for a lot of Americans rather than less. I think that's a real worry. And you could see it in the motels up and down 192. There are a lot of them that, you know, look like they were six months away from becoming the star. The scariest part, the the shoe that hasn't dropped and that terrifies people is, you know, right now we're under an eviction moratorium nationwide and in Florida. So large numbers of people, I've seen as many as a third, if not more, are either behind on their rent or say that they're not going to be able to make next month's rent. Now that moratorium's in place until the end of the year. But come January, You know, landlords are going to be able to start evicting folks. And what that looks like for these motels up and down this strip, I have no idea. And I know the sheriff there is worried. I know the local charities are worried that the problem is going to become exponentially worse once the eviction moratorium is lifted. So this story ran, what, the end of August, beginning of September? Yeah, I think it ran September 10th was the day it ran. Do you think that we can talk to Rose, like reach out to her? Yeah, I think she'd be willing to to talk. Hello. Hey, 
How's it going? Hey, how you doing? Good to you? Good, good, good. Um, so yeah, we just wanted to talk to you for a couple minutes and see how things have been going since that story ran. Since that story ran, things have been doing really good. I don't know if you've like seen the GoFundMe or not, but it's doing really well. Yeah, tell me more about that. I, like the second the story was posted, like I told Greg, because he told me about the GoFundMe, because I remember I made it, but I forgot all about it after a while because nothing happened. Mm. So he wrote the story, and I didn't think that he was going to put the link of the GoFundMe in the story, but he did. And literally, like, within five minutes of the story being posted, the first donation hit. Mm. Then it's just been going and going and going. And so where is it at right now? Like, around, like, 81000 Oh, my God. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. What what are you going to do with that money? Well, um, I already told my mom that she's going to get 15000 regardless. My grandma's going to get 15000 regardless. Mm. And then, the like, the rest of it, I'm going to buy a car and then put the rest in savings. Because I still plan to go to the military, so there's no reason to blow it. So put in the savings, let it collect more interest, and just go to my military, work like a normal person mm-hmm. and then when I hit like you know like 21 22 23 when I decide to get out of the military and start my police you know career then buy a house or put a put down on the house yeah yeah that that makes a lot of sense that seems like a really good plan so wh- where are you guys right now um we actually just recently got an apartment at Oak Plantations it was originally a resort place like it still kind of is but like it's half resort, half residential. And we're staying here. It's really nice. I like it. Everything's included and it came pre-furnished. So that's pretty cool. So how did you guys end up at this new apartment? We had some help from a church and some church people and they told us about it. But obviously we didn't have the money at the time to get into here. So they ended up paying for our application fees, which was $100 a pop. Hmm. And we ended up getting accepted, thank God. And then the Hope Center ended up paying for our deposit in first months. And then we moved in. Oh, nice. And so how does it change your day-to-day to be in some place like that rather than being at the Star? I don't know if this is going to make sense, but, like, when we used to stay at the Star, like, I never had, like, the focus or time at that to do my homework and work in general. Mm-hmm. And... Now that I have like a kitchen table, like that's literally where I'm sitting right now. It's a kitchen table. Mm. Like I just got done doing homework on my laptop. Like it's just, it's calming. Like it's not, I don't got to worry about anything. Yeah. That totally makes sense that you kind of need to have like things about your life settled to actually focus on things like work and school and like, you know, just the things that you want to be able to do. Yeah, exactly. And how is your family doing? They're doing great. My mom, she just recently got a job. Like, well, once we moved in here, it was the day she started her job, actually. So that was great. She was working at Burger King. She still is. My dad has his job. My grandma is way more, like, calm. She's sleeping better now. She's breathing better now. Like, she's not using her um, oxygen tank as much as she used to because her stress levels are down. So she's breathing clearer. Do you ever think about what it'll be like when you're older and thinking back on your experience at the star and what it was like? Like, do you imagine how you'll feel about it? I definitely look at it like as a lesson, like where not to be in life. Hmm. And I see like the struggle, like it's definitely here. Like 
it's definitely covered by a lot of lies, like the tourism and all that good stuff. And not a lot of people know about it, which is, you know, like it's not fine, but it's understandable because they're blind to the facts and they're not here. They're not in the mud with us and they don't see how it really is. But it teaches me a lot and it gives me like the time and the opportunity to educate other people on that it's not all like good stuff. Like it does get difficult sometimes and you just got to you got to stay focused. You know, you can't lose track of what you're doing and where you're headed. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like one of those things where you could kind of look at it in a lot of different ways where, you know, I can imagine that going through something like what you went through, that it will, you know, that you'll like carry that gratitude with you going forward of like wherever you are, at least you're not there. And that and like knowing how bad things can get, being grateful when they're better. But I also feel like I I would imagine maybe looking back and being like, it's just crazy that that was even possible, that there's not, you know, some kind of system in place to make sure that people like you and your family aren't stuck in a place like that. Yeah, definitely. Well, Rose, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us after, you know, talking to Greg for, it sounds like, weeks and weeks. (laughs) But I'm really glad to hear that you and your family are doing a lot better. Good luck with school. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Okay, bye. Bye. Greg Jaffe is a national reporter for The Post. Drea Cornejo is a video journalist for The Post and captured the field recordings you heard throughout this story. The Star Motel has now been condemned, and most of its former residents have been moved out. But there are still hundreds of people stuck in rundown motels along Highway 192. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Our executive producer is Madalika Sika. Our senior producer is Maggie Penman. Our producers are Alexis Diao, Rena Flores, Lena Mohammed, Jordan Marie Smith, Rennie Swarnovsky, and Ted Muldoon, who also composed our theme music. The Post Director of Audio is Jess Stahl. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back on Monday with more stories from The Washington Post. This episode of Post Reports Podcast is brought to you by Facebook. At Facebook, we've taken critical steps to prepare for the U.S. elections. We've more than tripled our safety and security teams, implemented five-step ad verification, and launched a new voting information center. Learn more at facebook.com slash about slash elections. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen.